You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Welcome everybody, and again, just welcome to everybody who's joining us online this morning. Um, I don't know if you can do this. Why don't you stick a hand up and kind of turn it towards a camera at the back and just sort of say, hello everyone, welcome, welcome to Catalyst Vineyard. Brilliant. It's good, isn't it? I love that God is speaking to us during the week and speaking into those dark moments, what David just shared. It's, um, it's lovely that God is faithful to his people and uh, he wants to speak a word into our lives. Isn't that true? And so we're coming to the part of our service this morning where we're going to open up the Bible. We're in the book of James. We're talking about authentic faith. And uh, just this week, I was reading a BBC, I'd say a BBC article. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why I did that. It feels like, you know, <laughs> BBC presenters seem to have like the international English, don't they, or whatever. Anyway, so it was talking really about the uniqueness of humanity in a world of extraordinary animal diversity and how thought and language and speech all play a unique role in, the, in our dominion of the planet. It says this about us humans. We tell stories. We heard one already. We dream. We imagine things about ourselves and others. We spend a great deal of time thinking about the future and analyzing the past. We have our advanced language skills to thank, to thank for that. We may see evidence of basic linguistic abilities in chimpanzees, but we're the only ones writing things down and shouting them out loud. Our rapidly expanding technology has allowed us to become instant publishers at the touch of a button. And this transmission of ideas and technology helps us in our quest to uncover and discover more about ourselves. It goes on to say we have an immense capacity for good. And at the same time, we risk driving our closest relatives to extinction and destroying the only planet we have ever called home. There is great power in who we are, and in particular, what we do. What we do comes from what we say, and what we say comes from what's inside us and drives us. What an article. We are, just turn to somebody online, if you're online, turn to somebody in the room or here and just turn around and go, you're unique. And you are powerful. <laughs> there you go. Let's read. We're going to read from James chapter 3 this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm finding this series in James um, really challenging and super practical. Um, I spent a bit of time with my dad this week. He's not been well. Um, he's a big guy. He's always been a big, strong guy. And as a child, as a young sort of like 
kid, one of the best things I loved doing was wrestling with my dad. And you know what? There was an inevitability about he would always beat me. He would always pin me down because he just had sheer weight advantage. And there was something brilliant about it. I didn't mind it. I loved it as a kid. I'd be like, hey, come on then, Dad. You know, and then he'd be just like all over me. And then he'd just go, hmm. And he'd just like pin to the ground. And, and I loved it because he'd probably start tickling me. You're, you're going to submit, boy. Oh, you know, he wasn't Welsh, by the way. You know, but <laughs> did, did, anyone else experienced this? Or, or it was a big brother that did it or, or whatever. Listen, when we come to the book of James, like, it feels like that. It feels like there is a weight in these passages. And, it's, and, it, and you can't escape it. And you're going to get pinned by it. But let's not mind it. Because it's true. And the weight and the, and the message loves us and wants the best for us. So as I've been reading James, I feel like I'm being pinned by my dad. But also there's a giggle and a glint in his eye. Saying, come on, I know you. And I want the best for you. And I know I want to draw out all the potential in you. I like it. You get it. You're never going to read James again without that image, eh? Getting pinned. Anyway, let's read it, shall we? It's called Taming the Tongue. Oh, words. Again, just say to somebody, you are powerful. Okay. This is what it says. Not many of you should become teachers. Oh, dear. <laughs> We've got some teachers in the room. Give them a high five. Amen. We love you. My fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. <laughs> oh, that's a word for me. <laughs> Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one man's life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is, a restless, it is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. These are, these, are, these are words, aren't they? With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord to us today. Oh, may it bless you. May it pin you. May it also encourage you. 
this morning. As I read that, I, that quote about Spider-Man, it's cheesy, isn't it? With great power comes great responsibility. You know, James opens this passage talking about teachers. Not many of you should become teachers, specifically speaking about what I'm doing this morning, actually, where in the Christian community, some of us get the opportunity to speak into the community's life and to shape it and to open the book and the passages and to hopefully diligently craft something and bring it to you. We have an opportunity, a youth position to speak into people's lives and to shape people's lives. And I just want to say, none of us who do this, do this lightly. None of our leaders stand up on a Sunday or open the Bible at Connect Group lightly. We wrestle with the, this passage. It's very, you know, we're in a very privileged position. And yet, as you read there, it's quite sobering. Anyone in Christian leadership who preaches and teaches lives with the tension of a passage like this because we know it's been, it's, it's an unbelievably privileged moment to speak and yet whew, there's some challenges that come with that. John 15 says, says this, Jesus is with his disciples and this really resonates not only with myself, but lots of our sight pastors and others that speak in our church community. Jesus said this, I chose you, you didn't choose me. I've got to be honest, when I came to know Jesus, I did not fully expect to do what I'm doing today. I was pretty dyslexic, standing up and giving presentations in schools. I was just like, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to do that. And yet... When I met Jesus, and I know this about, for lots of our leaders, there was a passion that was birthed in us to speak truth, to encourage people, to get really into the book and to wrestle with it and to, and, and to understand the truth of it and to somehow appropriately and sometimes gently but also passionately communicate that to others. There's tension in having the opportunity and the privilege. And I think James captures this really well because in verse 12 he says, yeah, but you know, at the same time we all stumble. Perfection is beyond our reach. And so I just want to commend our preachers and teachers to you in our community. They take it seriously. They want to... You know, they don't want to just bring their own personal opinion to the book. They want the book to speak and for us to take hold of it. But we also know that there is responsibility there and we need to be shaping our lives. And can I just like shift gears a little bit? What I want to say is we're all teachers, actually. If you've come to know and love Jesus, then actually you've become a leader. Because we're taught to lead people towards him. 
So even though James goes after, you know, the preachers and the teachers, if you like, in the community, the reality is you and me are all teachers. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go into all the world baptizing people in my name and teach them to obey everything that I've said. So we can look at teachers, we can look at preachers, we can look at people in the classroom, you know, and all of that. But the reality is we need to look in the mirror and go, I'm a teacher too. I'm teaching the world something. I'm teaching my spheres of influence something about Jesus. And we're being commanded to do that. I had some great teachers. I bet lots of us in this room, can, when we think about teachers, we think of probably one or two that were brilliant and maybe one that wasn't so. I think about some of my teachers. I hung on their every word. And it wasn't just because of the topic that they were teaching. It was because of who they were. A great teacher doesn't just help you get a good grade. They inspire you to be better than you thought you were. I like that. What they say matters. What we say matters. And this passage is all about that. You know, someone's whole career path and life trajectory can be set by what people say what people speak over another person. And that can be an incredibly positive experience for you. And maybe you're in this room today and you can remember a teacher who said something to you. And it set a fire in your bones and you have actually pursued that subject or that sport or that, that, that line of thinking. Power. There is power in words. I want to also suggest, you know, for some of us in this room, we're family, aren't we? Parents are teachers. I'm a parent. I'm teaching my, uh, uh, they're not so young anymore, but they're, we, we, we taught, we're teaching our children a whole bunch of things about life. And in particular, as a Christian community, about God. Our words really matter. You might be a big brother or a big sister. You matter. What you say has power and influence. A number of years ago, um, this is when I was doing a lot of youth work, and uh, I remember um, a dad and a, and a son came to me. They were having a really tough time. They were just not getting on. There was a lot of stuff with kicking off in the household. And they said, would you come, James, and mediate between the two of us? <laughs> wow. And so we did. And I sat with them. I'll never remember, but I always remember what the son, at one point, when we gave each you know, dad and the son space to speak, the son turned to his dad and quivering said, Dad, I, I think you love me. I'm choosing to believe you do, but you don't say it. Words have power, don't they? They shape our lives. I want to suggest this morning, words create worlds.
create worlds. In the beginning, God said, let there be, and there was. Yeah. Light, land, sky, humanity. Words created the world. Bible says we've been made in his image. In us, there is an inert power to create. Words are right at the heart of the environments that we create around ourselves. And then we carry that world around with us and we add to it. Words release, promote, produce, build. Our words create an atmosphere, don't they, around our lives that other people breathe. That image of kind of a bubble around us with words floating in it and I carry that around with me I'm creating the atmosphere around my life by what I say and then people engage with that people walk into that world and it, it, they're going to encounter something words have power words create is that a good image are you with me we are creating worlds and that world and that atmosphere is with us wherever we go. The question I'm asking myself today is, what kind of a world and an atmosphere do I carry around? What kind of an atmosphere do you breathe when you're around my life? Is it, a, is it an atmosphere where you feel built up? A bit like, you know, that, that quote about that great teacher. Do you feel like you could go beyond where you're at? Do better than you are right now? Do you, do you come across joy? Do you actually experience something of, you know, that joy? I'm just asking. This is like, that's why I said, I feel pinned. My dad's pinning me. You know, I'm like, I, I get this. But my words create a world and an atmosphere around me and I don't live in a vacuum. I don't live just without other people. I live in community. I live in a family. I live in a, in a job situation. I've got friends. They engage with that and I have created that world by what I've said. I really am hoping it's a world where People get bigger. But I also know there are times when my world causes people to get smaller. Does it cause anxiety? Does my world that I carry actually cause fear in people around me by what I say and do? I want to just take a minute. Why don't you just take a second? Just think about that atmosphere that's being created. You're creating it by what you say. Look, 
Maybe just ask God, what kind of an atmosphere is that? What kind of a world is that? Maybe one of the things we might need to do is when we leave today is just speak to a friend or somebody who knows you and loves you to say, actually, let's just talk about the atmosphere. And maybe it'll be really encouraging, but maybe it'll be, do you know, there are times you just emit bitterness Oh, you know, you, sometimes you just make us feel smaller. Are you feeling a bit pinned? I mean, can we just go back to the first slide? Don't jump ahead too quickly. I think sometimes we need to just let this stuff sit with us. You know, when I think about Jesus, this is, this is, think about Jesus. He created and was beginning to create a new world, didn't he? He came bringing into being his kingdom. What on earth? We've been singing that song. Let your kingdom come. What's going on here? As Jesus came, he came incarnately to embody a new kingdom, a new world. And he spoke it into being. Let there be, like it was in the beginning. He, by what he said, he was creating a new opportunity, a new possibility. So think about the environment it was around Jesus. It was a good environment, wasn't it? It was an environment that you people just desperately wanted to be in and around. I, I, I was just lead, uh, reading a little bit of Luke's gospel. I, I was just reading a, just a couple of sort of chapters. And within these, this just chapter and a half, it talked about how the crowds were gathering and were desperately pressing into Jesus. So much so they had to get a boat and set, stand, sort of sit in the boat and teach the crowds. Why? Because he was teaching them the word of God. And they were desperately wanted to hear them. There was something about Jesus that drew people to himself. They were, it kind of connected with their hungerness. The atmosphere that he made around him was one of accessibility and it connected and pulled people in. And then the next moment he's there with Peter and what is he saying to Peter? Peter, you're no longer going to fish for fish. <laughs> but you're going to lead people into my kingdom. Hey, you, you, you thought you could do this. You thought your life was about that. It's a small thing. No. In me, in this atmosphere, you're going to lead people into a whole new kingdom and freedom. You're not going to fish for fish. You're going to lead a movement. Wow, that is just dripping, isn't it? With possibility. You're bigger than what you think you are right now. I bet Peter's breathing air, that atmosphere of, oh, wow. <laughs> That's why I 
When I met Jesus, that is exactly what I experienced. And I know that lots of you did as well. After that moment with Peter, Jesus is walking down the street and a leper, and back in those days, it's very possible somebody would run ahead with a bell shouting, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine that? Wow. And the leper comes to Jesus and bows or even just falls at his feet and says, if you're willing, I know you can heal me. Think about the words that Jesus says in that moment. I am willing. Oh, I tell you. And then he touches the leper and heals him. He is creating a whole new world in that moment, isn't he? He's saying inclusion, wholeness, approachable. So, where James is talking about teaching, there is responsibility because there's influence. Hey, I don't know about you. I want more of his kingdom at work in me, shaping my words, shaping my atmosphere, shaping the world that, is, that I am creating because he's at work in me. But let's not just listen. Let's do it. Let's, when we leave here today, let's do the action. Let's ask the question. Let's get some feedback. And yes, there might be a little bit of, ooh, that was a bit painful. Oh, the image, your father in heaven, you know, or my dad, you know, that image, he's just pinning you because he's going to tickle you and say, come on, you're be- bigger and better than you are right now. Does that make sense? Okay, come on. It's good to have a little bit of feedback, isn't it? All right. Give me some words. Let's create an atmosphere here of possibility. All right. Let's move on because I'm suddenly realizing um, I've got two other points and I've barely got time to get into them, but we'll try. Okay. So then what does he do here? We've done this thing about influence and then he starts to talk about these three images uh, of of, of sort of um, bits uh, uh, so putting your bit in, in a horse and, and, and talking about rudders and ships and sparks and fire, doesn't he? And he really wants to just emphasize not only the power of our words, but our words can, can cause and, and, and can change people's lives' direction. And loose words are, can be incredibly, um, can, can, can rapidly spread like fire. I mean, as a teenager, I remember... Um, uh, I, I did some fire beating, you know, the, the estate, the local estate where I lived, they used to, you know, light the fires and it was a controlled burn up the mountain. You burn the heather so that the young shoots would come up and so the grouse would come in and then they'd be shot by people. Nice. But if you look at the, stri- you know, if you look at the mountains around here, they've all got stripes on them. That's what, anyway, I used to do that over the Easter holidays. I thought, I was like, yeah. Let me tell you, a little, little, start the fire, just a little thing, and suddenly it was up and running incredibly fast. And I remember one afternoon, the wind got up, and it, and it just got out of control. We had 15 to 20 foot flames, 
and we, all we had was these long rods with some little metal thingies on the end, and we're trying to beat the flame. There was not a chance we were going to get this thing under control. And for three hours, we just watched this fire just <laughs> up a mountain. I have that image of me <laughs> trying to put this thing out. And it started like tiny. That's the image he's saying. Listen, words of the power to rapidly spread and impact people's lives. So we need to ask the question, who holds the reins or who's reigning? Excuse the pun. That's the question he's asking. And just really quickly, I think... There are three possibilities to who holds the reins of the horse or who's got the hand on the tiller, you know, who's actually lighting a fire, you know, and putting a boundary around it. Because I think sometimes we operate with just passivity. Our hands aren't even on the tiller or the rudder. We're like, yeah, let's just go with the flow. And when we do that, when we do that, we are then totally subject to other people and circumstances. They are on their hands, or the circumstances are going to control what we say and do. I don't think that's right, is it? Or what about our, even our emotions? We could say our emotions are holding that rudder. Hey, I'm the kind of guy that what you see is what you get. I'm in touch with my emotions I feel stuff, and so I'm going to say it. Yeah? But emotional intelligence is important. Our emotions point to situations of unrighteousness and, 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 and wrong. Yes, of course. But if you're anything like me, sometimes two plus two can equal seven. Why? Because we don't have all the information. And I'm having an emotional reaction to something that I have either misunderstood or just not understood or I've not listened. And so we go from zero to ten very quickly. Whereas in chapter one, do you remember the dance? A number of weeks ago, if you watched online, we did a little dance. It was highly embarrassing for my wife. But the deal was this. Be quick to listen. Slow. To, get, uh, to speak and slow to get angry. Why? Because James wants us to have an informed, uh, you know, to be informed and then respond. We need to do that with our emotions. So if it's just emotion that's on the tiller, wow, that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be dangerous. But maybe also, you know, sometimes it's not just those two things, no hands or all emotion, but sometimes um, we, we are, I don't know about you, but my selfishness is in control. My pride is holding on to that rudder. You know, I didn't get my way and I didn't get my say. That's actually in there. Our desires, our carnality, our carnal desires are operating. Is that what has got a hold of the rudder? Or the, the reins of the horse of my life. Do, do, do you see what I mean? Because I know one thing. When pride, my pride and my selfishness is kind of in charge. Wow. <laughs> that is not going to be a blessing to anybody. 
And so I think what he's trying to do is just really emphasize this whole thing. And he's saying, like the tongue, it's almost, you know, he says there towards the end, it's almost uh, untamable. In fact, he says that no human can tame it. And by saying that, he's inferring there's only one other person that can tame the tongue. Because what is impossible with man is possible with God. And can you see that? He's inferring something when he says, we can't do this. Humans cannot do this. But he is pointing to the fact that a mature follower of Jesus, who's got Christ at work in him by the Holy Spirit, will exhibit self-control. And especially around this area of speech and what we say. We often, in this church, we love the work of the Holy Spirit. We want more of it. And often our language is this. The Holy Spirit's come to bring you freedom. He wants to release you into some things. There is also a work of the Holy Spirit that restrains, that holds some things back, reminds us Let's not jump too quick here. Let's not just explode. Let's not just say that. Think. The Holy Spirit wants to bring that little bit of conviction. And that just, let's just restrain. He's the one that wants to release life, 100%. All the gifting, but also just bring restraint and self-control. I don't know about you. I feel pinned again. Oh, I need that, Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one that can come and help us. He's the one that wants to tame us. And then the image I have is this. I mean, I'm not, I know there are people here who know how to navigate sailboats and all that kind of thing. I always fancied that, you know, put the cap on and da -da, sort of Truman Show-esque kind of moment. You know, that's showing my age now. But, you know, out on a yacht in the sun. But the image I have is my hand on that rudder in the wind and then my dad's hand also on it. Something lovely about that, isn't there? We want our Father's hand by his Spirit. And I want to feel the pressure, the gracious pressure of, hey, not now, or hey, now, or this way and that. That's what the Lord wants to do in each and every one of us. And so there's responsibility and influence. Who or what is holding the tiller or the rudder? And then he lands just in this last little bit about these images of disparity, really, he, 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 and dualism. This, a single tree can't produce two types of fruit. Springs can't produce both the salt and fresh water. He's saying that you humans, like there's something deeply, um, I don't know, uh, uh, different ends of the scale when, 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 um, when you bless somebody, what is going on there? You're like, you want the best for them, don't you? You want God's best. And in the same breath, you're, you're doing the absolute opposite. You're like, no, I want the worst for you. There are two very different fruits or um, or intentions of people's lives, you know, how can they come out of the same place? And really, what he's landing on in this moment 
is what's the source? What's the true source? What's the real source? And really he's saying the real source of what comes out here is what's going on in here. The words that come out of our mouths are the words that are shaping and building an inner world in us. And so really what is going on there is out of the heart, as Jesus would say, the mouth speaks. And we know that. And so I just, to land this this morning, our inner world produces the outer world. The words that we're clinging to in our own internal lives actually produce an environment and an atmosphere around us. And so the words that come up and out are creating out here the world that we've got in here. And so really it's simple, isn't it? When Jesus is at work in here and his words are at work in here, then out of the overflow of his world, his kingdom, his reigning in me and in you, it will produce his kingdom, his reign, his words, his world around us. And so as we land, I want to pray for us. I just simply want to pray more of your kingdom, more of your world in me, more of your words in me to shape the world around me, around us. And as a community, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you be at work in this area of what we say and for it to shape what we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been sat for a while. Thank you so much for listening online this morning, guys. Be blessed into your week.